it's important just to point your compass towards joy. And play like you, be like you, and don't overthink it. You come back out of the ocean, do you still think that you look like Daniel Craig? Because I do. I just, like, Daniel Craig, James Bond coming out of the ocean, I think, like, yeah, that's probably that's probably pretty similar to what I look like right now. I, I come out of the sea with my towel on, mate. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I put the towel as close to the sea line as possible. Do you know what I mean? So I walk out yes. and I'm like, oh, I'm just so like, I'm so deep in the water. I've got a towel on. You, you, yeah. you haven't seen anything. You don't know what I look like. And I'm wearing it like, you know, like, like, like Rona would if she came out the shower. Right, like right. It, yeah. It's just below my Adam's apple. And it's past my knees. Like, like somehow male nipples are now offensive to the world. It's like, well, I just got to cover up because there's kids here. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm proud of all this, but I got to cover up for the kids. I know, mate, oh, I know. Good yeah, times. Yeah. Anyway. You know what? We haven't done a body dysmorphia issue or uh, episode, and I feel like you and I are pretty po- <laughs> pretty ready to tackle that topic. <laughs> like, where did you get every, me started, like, mate? Every window I walk by, I'm like, it's 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 got to be bent. There's no way I actually look like that. Yeah, I know exactly. That's what I feel like. Every time I turn this camera on, I'm like, it's ooh. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed um, in my last um, Instagram posts. I don't know you've you've been super busy. That you were blurry. Camp. I I'm in the background, baby. The foreground is the <laughs> hardware. Do you yep, know what I mean? Like, it's like set the focus to... on the hi hats. I would. I, I'll be blurry. It's like you think I'm being arty. I'm just being safe, mate. Do you know what I mean? I just, you don't need to see these drummer faces, these five chins and these tired backs. Okay, do you know now, what I mean? do you think, because I feel like I, I've got a pretty healthy, I have a healthy self-esteem. I'm not mm-hmm. cocky. Like I never walk into the gym and think like, oh, you poor saps. If you could only be <laughs> as fit as I am. I, I So I, it's not cocky, but I have a pretty healthy self-esteem. Intel... One magic person ruined it, and that was Kyle at Soci- Sociology who filmed us eating those sandwiches. Ever since then, I've just been like, I'm just a chubby kid. Mate, I thought I had a jawline up until that point, and then like he 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 he, he puts he that up, and I'm like, I was about you know this close to being like, take that down, mate. Take, yeah, look, I appreciate <laughs> it, but we I can't look, live Mark, on the internet. He's Mark's like, it's just some... a story. It's like, stop it. It's on their servers. Yeah. They have if it. You wanna... Facebook has it. If you want to do a story, come to Mike's place. Yeah, he's got some aperture lighting. We can really get we can get some definition going on. We can, we sort can this shape out. the jawline with my lighting. Yeah, we can sell oh. you some sandwiches. But for right now, <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Yeah. Okay, so moving on to things that actually matter. <laughs> you are now caught up with tech. Y- yeah, You're a visitor. Am, mm-hmm. Talk us through. Shout out! Right, shout out. Harry Younger, who's a patron who came to the live podcast tour um, and actually shout him out before all of that anyway, because the first patron Zoom hang we did back in the day, I watched one of his YouTube videos and figured out how to connect my Canon to uh, Zoom using the cam link. So he helped me out back then. And then long story short, I've wanted to do Zoom lessons for a while, but I want to do them properly. I want to have my setup, my mixing, sort of my mixing logic. Um that's another thing. I'll come back to that in a sec. I want my nice sounding kit basically coming through the computer and I want two angles. Um, mm. And he came down today and helped me set that all up. He also helped me figure out um, a thing called loopback, which means anything that I'm using 
on my computer this thing acts as like a digital interface so you can basically put spotify logic um youtube your your microphones all through zoom quicktime zencaster which we're using now it's amazing it's been an absolute game changer so thanks to him and it is thanks to him i'm useless with this stuff i've now got a streaming setup i've got a beautiful podcast setup and uh and a beautiful setup for teaching, which I'm, I'm, I'm so happy with, mate. Honestly, it's been a long time coming. But the first step was the internet, and it took me about 12 months to get that. And now right. I'm here, and it's working, and it, mate, it feels so good. It, it must be a, a so different... Good. Now that I've been to your hometown, and by the way, Americans, Eddie lives in the Shire. The actual <laughs> Shire. Like, as you drive through Eddie's hometown, all you see is, like, Hobbiton and like really cool mansions yeah. like that's where he lives it's just uh i was so proud to bring him to Folsom until i went to his hometown and i was like you're never coming back to Folsom again i i, I must look like i just live in a trailer um so <clears throat> anyways um you know it must be such a different drive going to the the shipping container now to go into your studio like you have something to look forward to you know what i mean yeah, definitely. The air Mass- must smell different in there because you have it does, tech man. and it's working. It's working and it doesn't feel like a shipping container anymore. It feels like a normal, sh- it feels, yeah, it's just, it just feels amazing, man. It feels really good to actually be able to do the things I want to do. And like, at, you know, for years, tech was getting in the way of that. Um, but now thanks to Harry and thanks to good old Canon and Camlink and little stream deck, it's amazing. So, um yeah, we should get we should get maybe get Harry on the podcast and talk about a little you know setup for streaming or whatever it may be because he's he was an absolute game changer. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I mean he's just a, a sweetheart. I talked to him on the phone before we saw him in Bath um, a couple of weeks before then because I had just seen like um, he did like a little YouTube drum cover remix of us of us talking was- and stuff. Oh, and, it, sick. and it's it's sick he's a player man he can really play i mean obviously yeah, he knows yeah. his tech but he can really play and so i was just like man can we talk on the phone and he thought he was in trouble because i just <laughs> dm'd him and said do you have a minute to chat on the phone so he thought he was in trouble for like making fun of us he was like and as soon as we started talking he was like i just want you to know mate it was all in good spirit and i just love the podcast i was like whoa i just wanted to tell you that was the sickest thing i've ever seen man I, I and, uh, see that. he's I, just I the sweetest that. guy ever man he is man and um yeah he's just really helpful and yeah, back in the day when I searched his name in YouTube and found that video, it's just it's, he's just made That's sense cool. of everything yeah. that I was confused about, which is wicked. But yeah, mate, getting back to Logic. So I've left Pro Tools. I'm back to Logic. Wow. Okay, yeah. big announcement. I wish I had something I've... cool to play, like a baseball sound. <laughs> yeah, I've sacked it off. I can't be bothered with it. It's too complex. It's too hard to get to the end goal. It doesn't have enough colors. It doesn't. It, it's too many colors, if anything. Do you know what I mean? I'm like... <laughs> It's like just make it simple. Do you have so, dark mode? I need dark mode. <laughs> yeah, I do need dark mode. I need a monochrome mode, mate. Uh, monochrome. Um, but yeah, it's basically I I went to fix something in the mix in Pro Tools, and I because someone else set it up, which sounds cool, but in reality, if if someone does that, I don't know how they got to that end goal. So I don't know how to fix it. If anything, I'm making it worse. So now I've got a brand new brand new mix, and all I've done is like the basic basic sort of eq and compression and that's about it so it's nice man i've got a brand new mix i know what's going on and it and they sound like drums do you know what i mean yeah yeah and that's that's a tough balance i mean you want to sound you want to have your own sound you want to have a professional sound but it also needs to be relatable and that's i mean i think also as you start doing more and more zoom lessons and stuff you'll start to want 
that thing, you know, like where it's like, well, this is what drums sound like. You know, you don't have to go as far as like me and Carter, where we just put like one mic 11 feet from the kit. Mm-hmm. And we're like, this is my sound, baby. <laughs> but, you know, it, it also can't. I think it to me, it throws me off when I see someone's natural kit and I see microphones, but I'm I'm list- I'm spending too much time thinking, is that triggered? Yeah, that doesn't sound real. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has to be a balance. And I think your most recent your most recent Instagram video, that was your new mix, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. That was perfect. It still is your sound. The other thing, too, that uh, our campers learned a lot about this week was that, you know, your sound, even on a mix level, is there, your, the way you play the drum is a big contributing factor. Like we had a bunch of students that didn't hit my snare hard enough for my compressors to kick in and then change the sound of the snare. Mm-hmm. So like, how come the snare sounds so much better when he plays or when she plays it? And it's like, well, it, the snare doesn't sound any better. The snare is making more volume, which is causing the compressor to kick in, which is causing the the sound itself to get fatter. Yeah. So it's really, if I turned all my effects off, his or her snare, even though it's the same drum, just sounds like a louder version of when you hit it mm-hmm. quietly. Yeah, yeah. Man. But when you really lay into it and lay into the toms and stomp on the kick, the compressors kick in and everything kind of becomes glued together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, the way you play, the way you, you personally play, like contributes to that. You don't have to have an insane mix because just a little bit of compression goes a long it, way to gluing everything together when you hit the drums the way you do. It does, man. And, I, and also, I want to get to the point where I can actually talk about what I've done and how I've done it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, how? Yeah. what have you done to the kick drum to make it sound like that? And I'm like, well, just this, or it's just mic placement, or maybe it's a good microphone. I just want to know more about what I'm doing, really, in, in terms of like recording. Um, but the last few days for me, I've just been amazing, man, in terms of like just getting stuff done. I've, it's been so productive. That's so cool. Um, you probably know that since the, I've sent you about 5 million voice notes. But, um, but anyway, mate, how was, your, how was camp for you? How was the first, first camp, right? It was great, man. New concept. Um, you know, I don't want to give it away because we have seven more camps coming up that will experience the same concept. But new concept in aspects as as far as I've just never taught this way in a camp before. Um, I've never tackled this topic. I think there's certain topics that are very tough to teach. It's like, even if you're great at it, if you go to Steve Gadd and say, okay, a five-day camp on Groove, by about hour two of day one, he's like, I I don't know what else to tell you. Like, go play with bands, (laughs) you know? And it's like, okay, well, how do you, how do you teach those bigger topics like groove or feel or touch? And this specific topic is one of those that almost just lives out in the ether. So I didn't know how it was going to go. And what I realized, and this is something that I, I don't think I've ever recognized this in 109 camps now, but my curriculum takes up three classes of each day, but the each day is technically, I think, uh, we start at 10 and we get done at basically five. So it's a seven hour day. So seven classes and my curriculum only takes up three of those. So what I've learned this year, and I don't know why it took me a little over a decade to figure this out, but the curriculum isn't the thing. The curriculum shapes how the day is going to go. And it's it's opening pathways for us for those other three or four classes per day that have nothing to do with the curriculum, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so we might be working, let's just say for some reason, it's an advanced camp. And all we're doing is working on polyrhythms. That's the topic for this week. Well, what are the polyrhythm classes going to do 
to our recording class later in the night, to our morning sheds where we jam with each other. And I noticed that this year, the curriculum opened up the rest of the day in ways that I've never experienced. And I saw growth, not on the page, but like three days later when we came in in the morning, it's like, all right, guys, let's just jam a little bit. I was like, oh my God, you guys sound so much better than you did three days ago. Mm. I think the curriculum, the, the three classes a day is responsible for now what's happening in the morning or in the evening sheds where people are fitting in. They're joking, you know, fitting in a stick twirl while playing. I'm like, I don't think you could have done that on day one. <laughs> you would have never had the confidence, you, the swagger, mm-hmm. the, the independence. Yeah. Doing a stick twirl while you're playing is not it's, the easiest thing in the it's world. It's not the easiest thing in the world, mate. I, you got to really think about it. It's funny you it. say that. Um, I was just on um, that guy's Instagram page. I forget his name, the Spanish guy, and he's like crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he uses like the Yamaha EAD quite a lot, and he does loads yeah. of crazy stick tricks. I was watching a video of his just then. I was like, mate what is going on but um but it's funny you say that about like how the the three classes will lead to what happens next it's kind of like a clinic in the way isn't it like you've got to plan you've got to prepare for everything that's coming your way but at the same time you have got to allow for that that little magic those moments that you can't plan for yeah it's it's being in the moment you know and it's 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 doing it's 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 reps it's doing enough clinics that you know that if you go into it and be like okay, I just listened to this Matthew McConaughey speech and this other thing, and and this is going to be the deepest night ever. And then the first thing you do on the way out to the stage is trip and everyone starts laughing. There's, it's not going to be a deep night. Like you just went pratfall. You've got to change it up right there and right then. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, okay, so you can't, you can't push this thing into something that's predetermined. You have to let it unfold. And the reason why is because humans are involved they're the variable it's like i don't know like what if i just thought like this is the you know three camps in a row all we did was just have a blast and 80s night and colored lights and we're having the all this fun and i just assume like dude this this curriculum i'm just party man and then i get eight reclusive people that don't want to talk and they're just in their shell it's like okay well i'm not gonna i can't make them party Mm -hmm. so it's like well let's lean into this Let's talk about this. Is this how you want to be for the rest of your life, which is totally fine? Or do do you have something inside you that says, I just wish I was a little more outgoing? It's like, well, damn, bro, let's try it here. Like, this is the place. So, so yeah, it's, it was a good week, but, um, you know, we do have, uh, final projects and stuff. And so I want you to just take a listen to this. Now, keep in mind, this is an intermediate camp. Okay. So the assignment was basically we went through all of day one. And then after day one, and I had assessed like, okay, these are, I mean, I only know these guys for a day, but I'm like, this is kind of their vibes. I went and picked drumless tracks for all of them. Everyone got their own song. Okay. So instead of everyone working on one song, it was like, this is Lou's song. This is Jeremy's song. You know, this is John Paul's song. And I tried my best to kind of pick it in the, I wouldn't say stylistically, but skill level wise. Okay. Um, you know, so if somebody's kind of new to the kid, I'm not giving them like a drumless dream theater track. <laughs> So we go through all that, and then basically they had a total of about they had one hour dedicated to practice it, um, and keep and you've been here. They're not practicing on a kit; they're practicing on pads, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but and and these are drumless tracks that they've never heard the drums to, okay. so the drum part has to be a hundred percent theirs. I just wanted to show you this because I think this guy wrote some really cool parts. Um, so so check this out. This was his final project. This is uh, Jeremy. Fall the tracks till we're lost Keeping us safe in 
Cool. Pretty cool, right? <laughs> but it sounds like Death Cab. Sounds yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> sounds I mean, really good. Great part. He had a backwards hat, you know. Yeah. So I was like, okay. okay, let me get him some. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was like great, great writing. You know, drumming. I mean, first of all, like I said, this is an intermediate camp. Yeah. Laying into the snare, getting the compressor to turn uh-huh. on, having that sound, and then check this out. And and I did not. The only thing I did was try to help them when they really needed it. But if they wrote their own parts, it was like, dude, do what you want to do. And and the way that it was kind of pitched was this. Don't think of this as like, let's get it right. Let's think of it as more of like a snapshot. Look back on this two years from now and think about what you would have done differently. This is exactly what you chose to do. Um, But this was just one of those ones where I was like, that could kind of be the track. And one of the choices he made, I think you'll love. And it was like last chorus. He made a choice. And I was like, you biscuit. (laughs) The, sounds like the damn track. It does sound like the track. I was going to say, like, the, the actual sound of the kit sounds, it fits perfectly. Once again, that comes back to what you were talking about with your mix. Like, sometimes you have to, you can't play those parts at half that volume, and it, it wouldn't sound like that. Like, the compressors won't kick in, mm. the snare won't smack until you kind of lay into the drums a little Great bit. Great job. Um, and that's, you know, so I, I was super proud of Jeremy just for writing those parts i didn't say you know it'd be really cool here is if we dropped into some halftime but what's cool is when he did it and all the campers they didn't know what he'd written they just you know they hear him tapping away on pads right <clears> as soon as he hit that halftime everyone was like oh <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say like, i would have freaking I would out have to have seen the control room at that point mate you need a control oh, room bananas oh you've got one haven't you you've got one yeah oh mate i would yeah. love to see the reaction yeah great job man that was that was pretty it was amazing pretty tasty mate pretty tasty all right mm. you ready to get into today's episode yeah i am 25 yeah. minutes 20, deep I was, gonna, I was gonna say 13 hours later let's do it let's go <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right everybody so we are getting into listener questions from our patrons if you'd like to Ask a question, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash drum with Mike and Eddie. Support this podcast. That is how we stay ad free. And then you can ask any question you want. And our first question is from Jim Hendigas. Hey, fellas. I got a question for you about dreams and fulfilling your dreams. For some reason, my New Year's resolution time is May. I always have lots of dreams and projects in the works. And, you know, I probably abandoned them in June. But I know you guys have done quite a few projects yourself that went from a dream into a reality, including this podcast. Um, you know, for me, I don't always know why something goes from a dream to actual reality. Sometimes I push to make that dream a reality. And sometimes I wake up the next morning and think that was a really dumb idea. I'm glad I didn't do it. But, um, and sometimes I make a half-hearted attempt and then ditch the dream a little bit later on. When do you guys know a dream is worth committing to? And uh, give some examples. Love to hear it. Mate, that's a good question. Wow. Very good question. Wow. Mate, when, you, when do you know when a dream is good? Mate, I'm going through it right now, like with just YouTube, 
and the Patreon page, like when you just can't think about it, when you literally, you said it to me before, Mike, when you just need to get it off your chest, like when you just have to do it, when you want to do it, and when you sacrifice many things to do it. It's like me today. I'm, I've, it's a Saturday, basically, that, which doesn't mean much because I'm self-employed and so is, you know, Rona. But, you know, I could be at home playing with my, right. with Travis and whatnot. And I'm like, I've got to go in and shoot a YouTube video and get this Patreon page up and do this podcast. And, um, you know, like it's just when you, when you have to do it, when you want to get things off your chest, it's unexplainable sometimes. You know what I mean? When you geek out about something that's so small or doesn't make sense, but yeah, that, that's always been the case with me with drums in general. Like I've never really been able to explain it, but it's just, yeah, when you just you just have to do it and you can't explain it, you just want to do it, regardless of the outcome, regardless if a million people watch this video or listen to this album or if the album goes top ten or top five hundred, like it's just when you just ha- you just you have to do it for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah I, I basically have the same answer. I was going to say it's just when it becomes an obsession. Um, I think what's tough is not leaning into all of the things that we can do. And we actually know, like, I think I can make that work. I mean, you and I, <laughs> dude, you and I left Kim's place in Bath and we're like, we should quit our jobs and run the cafe that Kim has <laughs> at Music Workshop. Because, like, we see potential around us and we're like, I could do this, I could do that. And it's like, you can, but are you obsessed with it? Like, it only took about one night's sleep for me to not think about running a cafe anymore. Um you know, so it's like, well, I'm not obsessed with it. I just, in the moment, I'm like, oh, that'd be really cool or whatever. But it's like, but I, I, I can walk away from it. And I usually will choose to do something else other than this thing that came up. Then there's these things where it's like, just like you said, like, I'm just waiting for Amber. I'm like, baby, you look a little tired. Oh, you tired? You tired? Oh, let's get, let's, let's put you to bed, put Amber to bed. And then I'm into obsession mode on the computer, working this stuff out <laughs> yeah. or learning more about this thing. You know, and I stay up until 2 a.m. And it's like, okay, then there's no reason for me to stay up until 2 a.m. doing this. I'm clearly locked in. Let's go. So, um, and I think that the other big thing, Jim, is that the dream itself has to, it, it has to like have long-term ramifications for me to be able to commit to it. When I started the drum lab, I thought, okay, I'm going to start this school. It's going to grow it. I'm going to franchise it. And eventually there will be the drum lab education system that goes all over the world. That was my plan. Obviously, the internet and YouTube kind of got in my way. And then I switched, or I, I pivoted uh, over to the online world. But even still, it was like, uh, even yesterday, somebody asked me like, so are you, are you just going to do this till the day you die? And I was like, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, some form of it. Obviously, tech will change and things will change. But this is what I want to do. I want people to sit in front of a drum set and be frustrated and then say, don't worry about it. I got you. Um, I want to, there's no reason I shouldn't be doing that when I'm 75. So Jim, I think it just basically what we're both saying is you have to be obsessed because otherwise you'll cut it out when it gets hard. Yeah, exactly. Or when like things get, you know, a little bit mundane in whatever sense that may be, you know, like when you're just like, Oh, okay. Another, am I going to do the same thing today? And it's like, that's, you've just got to, totally. yeah, you've got to be obsessed, man. Under, under everything, you've just got to be fully, just ridiculously obsessed in ways you can't explain. The, uh, the new podcast obsession for both of us, How We Hustle with Yanni oh from Yanomai. That's great. 
Um, it's so good. There was on the episode of uh, oh, the the very first episode uh, with the rapper guy. Oh, uh, uh, Lethal Bizzle. <clears throat> Lethal Bizzle. Yeah. Who? Sorry, that hasn't made it over here. But <laughs> I crime. only listen to that in my car now. Yeah, that's all I listen to is Lethal oh, Bizzle it's every so hour. So good. It's I can't so good. believe it's you listen to Lethal Bizzle. Just honestly, mate, he played Reading and Leeds the same year we did, and I'll send you a okay. video. If you think like rock music or like hip hop goes off, wait until you see a grime show. So Le- Lethal Bizzle's really? grime. It is everyone is just jumping. It's like, oh mate, it's unbelievable. Oh. It's amazing. Anyway. Well, he's amazing. And one of the things that Yanni asked him was like, uh, it was basically financially related, but is it harder, you know, to make a to make it? Or is it harder to stay there? And he and he didn't even hesitate. He's like, dude, making it, you don't even know you're doing it. Even though technic, not technically, but it's way more grind, grind, grind because you have no success. But you don't know that it's happening because you don't know any better. So you're just doing the work, just putting it in. Yeah. Once you get there, how do you maintain it? How do you stay there? That's so much harder. So basically what Eddie was just saying about like, you have to be so obsessed that even when it's mundane, you're still charged to move forward. And that's, why i'm always talking about being obsessed with forward momentum because if you get to a point and you reach those goals then it does become mundane but there has to be forward momentum every day in my life otherwise i don't want to be a part of it if that forward momentum is only that my color correction on my blue sparkle drum set got a tiny bit better it's better than it was yesterday fine by me if there's less line noise in my microphones today than there was yesterday it's forward momentum fine by me so I think that's the key. All right, moving on to our next question. This is from Brother Scotty Johnson. Mike and Eddie. What's up, my brothers? What a legend. Man, let me tell you, y'all are freaking killing it, son. (laughs) Hey, I love this podcast. I work uh, for Texas A&M University down here in College Station, Texas. And, dude, let me tell you what, I carry uh, probably about 1,000 students a day. And, man, I, (laughs) I got that sucker Bluetooth and piping through the bus, and we just dig it, man. So uh, thank y'all for for your passion. Thank you for uh, your just being genuine, man. Y'all y'all are just two beautiful human beings, and and I really do appreciate it. Um, so my question is, drumsticks. Say, look at here, man. I know I can Google it, <laughs> but I wanted to hear you guys take on the tips, the different types of tips, man, whether it be acorn or barrel or teardrop, and uh, just kind of get your feedback on that. All right, my brothers, I love y'all. Keep killing it. Peace. Scotty, oh. you are the next guest on our man, podcast. I was just about to say I want him on. He's, he, yeah. is a, he is cool. He is, I'm trying uh, to... Carter McLean, you've just been bumped. Yeah, see you later, mate. We, we, <laughs> nah, <laughs> we mate, he's just Carter, made my but... day. He's just made my day. Um, honestly, oh. man, this is not... Um, unfortunately, 
you you asked an amazing question you seem like an absolute legend i actually can't answer your question because i have no idea about anything when it comes to sticks for me mate like i i use the 5a now shirakashi oak sticks um and i've never used anything else and I ha- they, they they're like an extension of my hand and i've never even looked for another stick um so yeah i don't i don't really know what else is out there man i've always just stuck to that one it felt good it felt natural and i've just stuck with it um so yeah so you have a you have a teardrop tip teardrop um yep so you have which is like the standard tip and so out of that you've got teardrop you've got acorn you've got ball and then you've got barrel um and then you have the different materials which would be wood and nylon um and i only know this you know uh just one working in drum shops but because i've now prototyped two different signature sticks one with vader and one with vic Mm. firth so as soon as we get the stick we like, then it's like, all right, send me that same thing with acorn, barrel, ball, and teardrop. Wow. And we'll <clears> see. And so the the tip, Scotty, is going to change two things. It changes the sound on the cymbals. It won't change much on the drums at all, but it will change the sound on the cymbals a little bit, and it'll change the rebound off of the surface. So different tips rebound differently. An acorn is a it's a lot of wood at the front of your stick and so what happens is it it's not a very fast stick it's great for really laying into things but it's not a very fast stick if you think about a teardrop tip tip even though it's kind of a, a longer tip there's not a lot of surface area making contact with the surface so it's a pretty fast playing thing especially if you're doing some up tempo stuff on the ride so teardrop's going to feel good barrel's going to feel good and ball tip's going to feel good so if we have teardrop barrel and ball then from there why do we have those well the ball is the least amount of surface area so if you have a ball tip it's like well that's the fastest then we should all play it well no because it's the least amount of surface area so it's the sharpest point when you're hitting your heads so it's the most likely to dent heads unless you just don't play very hard but if you play pretty hard ball tips are going to dent the hell out of your heads because it's if you think about what's actually making contact it's a very small amount of stuff where with eddie's teardrop tip it's more stuff hitting the head it's spreading out that impact it's not going to dent heads quite as much so we're all trying to find the balance of saving our drum heads while also getting as much response as possible um so i would say for most people either a tear like the standard tip or what I have on my signature stick, the barrel tip, those both give you a, that's kind of the best of both worlds. Um, and then from there, if you ever notice that maybe your tips are chipping, please don't blame the stick company. It's I've had people get tipped chip, chipped tips. Well, that's a rough <laughs> one, a rough Scotty. One. Chipped tips and say like, oh man, you know, Vic Firth sucks. I'm like, well, let's slow down. <laughs> Vic Firth doesn't <laughs> suck. um it's like what's happening is you probably have coated heads and you're swiping the stick every time you hit so basically you're taking this wood stick and swiping it against sandpaper every time you hit and that's what's causing that to happen so if you if you're out there and you chip the tips of your sticks start watching yourself play and try to get your strokes to be more straight up and straight down it's probably a technique issue so those are the big things and then scotty the last thing is nylon tip and nylon tip is just going to give you a brighter sound on the cymbals. Won't change anything on the drums, but it'll give you a brighter sound on the cymbals. So if you had like rock guitars and rock bass and you played a lot of stuff with the tip of the stick on the cymbal on the ride, 
you're going to want a nylon tip to cut through all that stuff. Wow. And they and they la- they tend to last a little bit longer depending on how hard you hit. I thank God you were here for that question, mate. Could you imagine if I was doing that solo? I would have been straight on Wikipedia <laughs> trying to like do this in real time. Um, yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> nice. Learned there you go. Something there. Moving on. Please ask a Let's question jump over to- next time as well, mate. I want to hear your voice again. It's too good. Yeah, Scotty, just please be a regular on the yeah, podcast. Please, mate. Send in one question a week, two questions a week. It's fine. Or just read a story and Eddie and I'll take the day off. (laughs) All right, here we go. This is a question from Steve Smith. Hey, Mike and Eddie, this is Steve. And my question is on a topic I don't hear discussed too often. And it is having a good and consistent technique striking the bell of the ride symbol. I find during rehearsals or live gigs that I don't, always accurately strike the bell of the ride symbol and often kind of end up missing a good solid note or a consistent series of notes on the bell when playing. Um, What do you recommend for achieving a good, consistent technique playing the bell of the ride symbol Thanks. I appreciate it. Mm. It all comes down to placement for me, really. That's that's it. It sounds like a bit of a basic, basic answer, but like um, in Busted, for example, there's there's a lot of sort of crash ridey stuff, but then there is also a lot of sort of like pinging action regarding the bell. So I just tilt the symbol towards me a little bit more and have it slightly higher up, but and then and then I just use the middle of the stick. Mm. middle of the stick and that kind of gets me but <clears throat> something i've never really thought about before to be honest mate but it's, it's all about placement like how you have your ride how how what the tilt's like um and then also every time i sort of play the bell i sort of dig into it with the middle of the stick um i'm doing the yeah. motion now I'll, we'll probably put this bit on instagram i guess really so they can see what i'm on about but um but yeah it's all about placement for me it might be a bit of a terrible answer mike will probably come up with a better answer now then it will bring more ideas into my head um, but yeah, middle of the stick placement. I think that is the answer. You know, um, it, the middle of the stick part is a big thing because it's there's just nothing else on the instrument that we do that with. So for most people, it doesn't make sense. They just move the tip of the stick from the bow of the ride symbol to the bell, and then they don't get that sound, and they're like, "Hmm, what am I doing wrong?" It's like it's the one place that you have to hit the side of the stick. You know, in between the tip and in between maybe four inches down there's this space about two inches down from the tip that's going to hit the side of the bell and that's what creates that deep rich bell sound instead of a ting because basically if you're using the tip of the stick on the on the ride and you're going ting 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 and then you go to the bell all that happens is the pitch goes up and goes ting 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 so to to get that thick rich sound you do just like eddie said you have to go to the side i think the other thing is a lot of people let's say you have a song in your band and it's got some bell hits a lot of people just keep playing that song and be like, man, I just can't get it. And it's like, well, that was, you know, 10 total hits out of a song. Why don't you just carve out a week out of your life to sit there and do nothing but explore the ride symbol and explore the bell and think about like, okay, what's better for you? Should your arm be playing at like where the logo is on the symbol? That's usually what most symbol manufacturers consider the sweet spot. doesn't matter whether it's Zildjian, mm-hmm. Sabian, Pisces. They always put the logo on the sweet spot. So should you be playing there and then physically with your arm move all the way up to the bell or would it make more sense to be kind of off to the left of the bell 
playing the ride and then just moving over to the right and doing a side to side motion. It's all mm-hmm. physical, but I mean, it's, you know, when somebody's going from the bottom to the top, from the bottom to the top, that's a lot of motion compared to just from side to side. And so you'll see a lot of people, the bell is where they have their arm in the position to strike the bell. And then they're just moving to the left to play the regular part of the ride. So I think mm-hmm. just even taking a ride symbol and a stand to your practice space and just getting rid of the kit and learning how to explore the ride symbol. I mean, okay. that's, that's a, it's a, it's a really important thing. And, and I, I bet Eddie, you probably don't even remember doing it, but I, I guarantee that Lars taught you how to do that. And you just spent obsessive hours trying to get the perfect bell sound without even knowing that it was called practice, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So but, but doing what you said, where it's kind of middle of the stick, side to side, that's pretty much what I do. My elbow won't really change. Just, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that way you don't wear out, especially if you're, you know, if it's, if it's a long chorus and you're doing that. Um, and then mm. it's just not this big up and down motion with your arm, which you don't want to do. All right. Well, I hope that helps Steve to everyone that wants to ask a question. Uh, if you want to just head over to Patreon, support this podcast, then you can submit your questions and you'll get my email address and everything there. But now it is time for MFDP, my favorite drum parts. Mate, talking about um, like bell parts, this band right here and Ben, the drummer, he is one of the very few drummers that like is keeping the bell going. Like he plays a ride how a ride is supposed to be played. Do you know, 100%. he doesn't crash ride this bad boy. I'm sure he must play with plastic tips. He must do. Um, but he, he is, the, they are the last savior for like the ride symbol in the rock scene here in the uk probably around the world i've never heard of ride like it in my life <laughs> yes yeah, um, but yeah this um <laughs> this week is my my favorite drum part and this is from a band called um this is from a band called uh biffy biffy Clyro. um i'm sure many people in the uk know them i'm sure all around the world they're huge i forget they're huge um an amazing band absolutely amazing band and this song it's Travis's favorite song in the entire world. And now it is my favorite song in the entire world. It's amazing. Ben, the drummer, started putting up um, YouTube tutorial videos for a few tracks. And this was one of them. And it helped me understand what he was doing. It's a banger. It's an absolute banger. And talking about a good part, this is the perfect example of it. So I'm going to play it now. And hopefully this works. Yeah. The tech episode. Fingers crossed this works. Oh yeah. I'm gonna go gonna go back to the beginning. Gonna go back to the beginning. Here we go. Oh, oh it's, it's so, so good. naughty. <laughs> it's the pit. It's the pushed one for me, mate. It gets me every single time. It's great. It's such a banger. Yeah. Love it, man. Love it. So what do you think? I mean, break down what you think that is. Like as far as do you think those are multiple toms? Is that all on his floor, Tom? What's so, that? Was that a cowbell? Do you think like a small cowbell, some gaff tape? Yeah, it's um well the YouTube video basically just he he teaches you how to do it. So it's okay. It's a percussion. It's like a plastic block. Okay, it's, uh, same one that I use. Um, and yeah, it's Tom. So the first part, ga ga, goo goo, ga ga. 
and and then it's just triplets with your right hand um right hand left hand and then kick right left kick left right kick, uh right left kick right left kick ba 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 so definitely not triplets but threes <laughs> yeah there you go ba 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 so 16th notes as threes got it Come on. So good. Do you want to hear it one more time? I do. Go on then. That's so good. That's that's a drum part, part, right? Like he wrote a drum part. That's Absolutely not jamming to a, your band's song. Yeah, so there we go. That's a, that song is called um, Tiny Wait Indoor Fireworks by Biffy Cairo. For Wait those who are listening and want to get want to get involved with that. And you're back. There we go. There we and go. And I'm back. I'll catch you in. So just start. I said, uh, so that's a drum part. Um, not just jamming with your band's song. So yeah, that song is called Tiny Indoor Fireworks by Biffy Cairo if you want to check that out. But yeah, it's amazing, man. It's, it's just a, a, the perfect drum part. Love yeah. it. That's pretty awesome. And I mean, that's it's a tough thing to be featured in the intro of a song, but not it's not a drum solo. You know, it's like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because if you think take the drums out, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the song doesn't really write itself for the drummer. It doesn't. I mean, the good thing about that part, and they and they're the perfect example of this. Like, they they marry like odd time signatures, yeah. obscure sort of like sounding parts, and they marry it with just like being able to digest it. Do you know what I mean? They just yeah. marry it with like straight up rock, and it's just it's worked, and it's just it works every time, man. I love that band. They're so so good. I love watching them live as well. They're incredible live. But but yeah, that that part is great. Absolutely awesome. Well, we hope you guys are enjoying the new segment, My Favorite Drum Parts. Each week we'll bring you one of our favorite drum parts and try to break it down a little bit, get inside the mind of the drummer, and just talk about why we like it. Because very rarely the reason I like it is because the drumming was difficult. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's because uh, I, I, I spent a lot of time explaining this to the campers this week based off of our topic, but explaining the idea that it doesn't matter who what drummers watching you how many drummers are in the crowd they are still humans and humans respond to certain things um you can't get a drummer you know in the 80s at a queen concert to not jump in on we will rock you with stomp stomp clap no drummer in the crowd was like i'm sorry that's that's just it's too weak i'm not doing it (laughs) yeah it's like dude you're human that stuff is amazing it's awesome Mm -hmm. like and i feel like you know that to me all of my favorite drum parts are that it's never like well it's because he did a swiss triplet into a triple ratamacue it's always because it's like i dig it because i dig it yeah that's all you know and i remember when you showed me that biffy clyro tune we were driving around i think we were coming into cardiff and i just remember thinking like oh my gosh dude mate some of the parts he comes up with, I'm like, yeah. flipping heck, mate. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's like, it, it's catchy, but 
there's more to it. That's what I love about that band and about yeah. Ben as a drummer. Like it's, it's and that's a skill. It's very very hard to do because most of the time it just sounds too much. But with Ben and, and Biffy, Absolutely. they just they just marry it so well. It yeah, yeah that's a band. tough thing. How do we not make this a drum feature? You know, and mm. there's, it's very rare when you can have hit singles that have great drums in them as well. You know, and yeah, and every once in a while it happens, and there are people like Ben, like Abe from the Deftones, like a great mm-hmm. drum part writer. We're definitely going to do some some Abe stuff. I have some early oh. Deftones demos. I'll have to transfer Ooh. from cassette tape to uh digital format, but just um, a bit more tech, just a bit more on. tech for us to deal with. Do you know oh what I mean? Oh, <laughs> oh, everybody, we hope you've enjoyed this little bit shorter episode, but I've got a live lesson to do. I just finished a five day drum camp and I'm, uh, if you if you're watching the video, you can see I look like I got hit by a truck, and then on the way back up, a train came by and just smashed me. <laughs> so you've done an amazing job, mate. Trust me, man. Like <laughs> I know, I experienced a three day camp with someone, and it was enough to like I got home and absolutely passed out. So fair play for doing this today, mate. You uh, yeah. you're a proper you're a proper trooper. Shout well, out Aya Matcha for that. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, they are the fuel for my day. But uh, this podcast is without a doubt one of my. It's it's one of my favorite parts of my week. So love doing it. Love that you're at your studio now. Love that we're going to involve some drumming, have some fun. Everyone, if you want to help support this podcast and keep it ad-free, please head over to patreon.com forward slash drum with Mike and Eddie. Or you can just click the link in the description of this episode and every episode. But in next... Oh, you got to be shitting me. I was, <laughs> I was on fire, dude. Come on. So good, mate. You are on fire. <sighs> matcha just turned into freaking hot cocoa Uh, but for now episode 84 is in the can 84 mate we're approaching 100 pretty quick this is scary yeah we're gonna have to do something special for 84 also next week uh apparently this episode's not in the can next week we will be announcing the camp dates for the 2022 drum with mike and eddie drum camp patreons you will get the heads up 24 hours before the podcast goes live so you can sign up first and then if it doesn't sell out on the patreon page then we will announce the dates publicly oh we can't wait to hang out with you guys again because the last one was a game changer i cannot wait mate honestly being back drinking matcha eating in and out doing playing the two on the one in the nightly jams in the evening i can't wait man it's just gonna be so good love it making you your your vegan sausage scramble in the morning i mean oh beautiful and then having like you know some horrible angle taken of me in a sandwich shop i just can't wait for it mate you know what i mean but i'm gonna be prepared this time i'm gonna slim down before those shots are taken there you go yeah you and i will both go on on a crash diet all right body dysmorphia is our next episode but until then everyone have a great day Ciao, 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 ciao,